What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of the Nolan & Company Sports Podcast. Today is actually Wednesday, not Tuesday, September 8th, 20 and 21. Uh, happy National Ampersand Day. The little character that you can find on your keyboard that has been squeezed between our logo for what now? Four years? Yeah, I, I have no idea. That's four years, five years. I have no idea. And not to mention that little character that sits perfectly between the A and the M in Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's, that's the only reason why it's relevant to me, but I, I'm sure you know more <laughs> about it than I do. Coming to you from a small Parker County town, I'm just Nolan because you can't handle the Ruth. The man joining me from his treehouse, tree house rather, perched above his mother's backyard. Who can do it? Mason Pruitt. And I hear you're moving. We didn't get to talk about it much, but um, yeah, we, you're going to have to spill pretty soon where exactly you're moving to. Yeah, I know that day is coming, and again, like you said, it's Wednesday, so I, you know, it was kind of funny. I don't, I think I told you, but I totally forgot about that school assignment that I had, and we were going to record yesterday, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I got an assignment doing three hours, and guess what the assignment was on? Procrastination. <laughs> so maybe the professor was just trying to talk to me. Yeah, yeah, it is, did, uh, did, did the opening slide of the lecture say that means you mason it did not but i think if it would have said that then it still would have sent the same message because i kind of chuckled when i had to tell you that we had to reschedule and then i open it up and it's like oh inside the mind of a procrastinator and i was like well i could write an autobiography about that yeah irony is a pain in the rear end isn't it yeah all right Well, on with the show. Uh, Before we do, don't forget to send us your sports questions if you follow us on Twitter at Company Nolan or on our Facebook page as well or Instagram. We've got all of the social media pages, so send us your sports questions. It doesn't even have to be about Texas high school football, which our shows now exclusively cover. It could be about any sports thing at all, Uh, and we'll we'll try to tackle it uh, in the opening portion of our show. And let's get kicked off with our two favorite bits. Today in sports history is the first one. On 19, in 1958, Hall of Famer Roberto Clemente, this is a baseball one, tied a modern era record with three triples in one game. Yeah, dude, that's the... I do think there's a little bit of luck in that just based off bounces of, of the ball, but I always... People are like, oh my gosh, when someone hits a cycle, they just talk about the home run. I was like, to me, getting a triple is harder than getting a home run. I mean, it's the hardest I'm not part. an expert in baseball. It's just, it's a lot of ways, it's just going to be a double. Um, you got to get a, get an, a fortunate bounce, and then you got to have the speed to get there. You can't, there's no such thing as really a stand. I don't see, you don't see stand up triples a lot. A lot of the times you're having to book it and get down. Right. And, and actually, statistically, a. A player hitting for the cycle is more rare than a pitcher throwing a no-hitter. And that's exactly why. It's because of that elusive triple. The triple is the hardest part of the cycle to get. 100%. And finally, happy what would be 75th birthday to L.C. Greenwood, the former Pittsburgh Steeler 
who was part of that Iron Curtain defense. Uh, he is, I believe, the only of the four. I made double. I made to double check that. I believe the only of the four that is not a Hall of Famer. And unfortunately, he passed away back in twenty. I have it right here, thirteen. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm, and, and you know, that's a legend right there from from that Steel Curtain defense for sure. Elsie uh, Greenwood, what would be happy 75th birthday. Well, on with the show, and Mason, I think that it's fair to say that this week was, in some respects, better than week one, but in other respects, probably not as headline-worthy. Yes, I, I get what you're saying there. It was probably more high-quality football. Um, I think the the improvements from week one to week two for just about any team is probably where you see the most vast improvements in quick quick time because you know what you have. and uh, You can now create a plan of what you've actually seen and you're, you saw on tape playing against another team, but... Uh, in some aspects, it wasn't as good as the close games um, from Cleburne and Houston Heights in Week One, but it was still another good week of football. It's still early in the season; there's a long way to go. So, and and something that shouldn't go unmentioned is this was a tough week health-wise because there were a lot of players that went down. It was a very hot week this past week uh, in the state of, in the entire state of Texas. More so, I feel, than week one. And we had a lot of players being out with cramps. Um, You also had the other injuries like hip flexors. And there's one injury that I'll mention in a second because I have an update on um, that happened in one of my games that was – it looked pretty bad. But you're starting to see teams kind of get beaten up. You know, we're kind of getting to that point in the season now where the season's two weeks old, which is, for a lot of teams, 20% of the season – they're starting to get the cramps. They're starting to get worn out. The fact that they're going full speed against these guys is finally starting to set in. And there have been quite a few in- notable injuries around the state because of that. Yeah, there was that was definitely the case in my first game, which we'll get more into in Klein Cane Side Creek. Go, go ahead. Because of we got Thursday wide open. Yeah, yeah it, it was – I mean, that game was hot. I mean, it, I, I'm just sweating, and I'm just walking around in shorts and athletic T-shirt – on the sidelines, and I can't imagine these guys going through stretches um, and actually and actually playing. And you saw in the second half, you know, kind of the bigger guys who, who need a little bit more water to stay hydrated, they were just going down because they're so tired. And Klein Kane, you know, you throw in the aspect that they were just more physical than Side Creek, you know, they would punish them. They were, Ramir uh, McRae, who's the running back, is just he is a tough physical runner. I love the way he runs. And Side Creek was just getting beaten up, um, both sides of the ball, really, at the line of scrimmage. So, a lot of the big guys for Side Creek, they, I mean, the defensive line, I noticed they were rotating just about every two, three plays, just because they were gassed. Um, and it was a good job by Klein Kane. They went hurry up, and they tried so hard to uh, not get them to substitute because they knew, okay, we're just going to go right at them. They're gassed. We're just going to go inside zones, outside zones, off tackle. And it worked for the entire game. Yeah, and and you mentioned Cy Creek and their struggles. You know, I I was actually in another Cy Fair ISD game um, 
this week as well. We'll get into that later. But uh, just talking to the people around there, you know, Cy Creek was is not the team that is expected to show up and show out for Cy Fair ISD. You know, and th- and this is a school district that takes up two separate districts in the UIL alignment. And Cy Creek just isn't that team. And, and from my opinion, I thought Klein Kane showed tremendous bounce back, even though they weren't taking on what you'd consider to be a very formidable opponent. But I thought they showed tremendous bounce back after that week one loss to Bridgeland, who we'll talk more about in a second. And uh, and, and in all honesty, you know, it, yeah, they were gassed. Cy Creek, uh, Cy Creek was gassed. There's no doubt about it. But Klein Kane showed the ability to go out there and physically beat up on the team that was in front of them. And that's really what it takes in this game. And I thought they showed up, showed up and got an impressive win. Yeah. Um, and 56-21, we should mention, was that final score. Yeah, yes, 56-21. And no matter who you're playing, you still got to go out there and execute. So it's not like they could have just done whatever. No, Side Creek did make it a little bit tough on them in the passing game. But the execution, the timing on the routes, and, you know, Jalen Smith and Matthew Golden – those are receivers for Klein Kane. They were on point. They were running crisp routes. Carson Roper was smart with the ball. He he, he knew where he was going most of the time pre-snap, but there were a couple of plays where it's like, okay, it wasn't there. Let me extend the play, and then let me find Matthew Golden downfield because he was the best athlete on the field. And you saw that. Um, if you're not, go follow my, go follow my Twitter. You're going to have to scroll down a little bit. But the play he made before halftime, I believe it was – 27 to 14 I think with the or maybe 34 to 14 and it was right before half and um Cy Creek just scored I think actually I think they had only seven Cy Creek just scored they had the momentum they're like okay maybe it's doable if we go into halftime we get a stop here but the play breaks down Roper scrambles left he just chunks it downfield and Matthew Golden tips it to himself over a defender and then catches it with one hand and runs for about a, for a 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the drive. It was the most athletic play I've seen this season. And, you know, that kind of, even though it was the first half, that kind of served as a, a gut punch, and they just ran away from there. My Thursday night game, uh, on the other hand, was kind of a thriller, and we talked about it last week. It was one of the best matchups in the state of Texas and one that it was mandatory that I be at. Um, and thankfully, I just kind of lucked out. Uh, Alito beat Frisco Lone Star 45-35 on Thursday night to start the year off 2-0. and And I'll be honest, Alito looked very convincing in this game. Don't let the tight score fool you. Don't let the fact that they uh, kind of blew it in the second half. Lone Star came roaring back. You know, Alito never lost the lead. I don't want to say they blew it necessarily. But don't let the fact that Lone Star came back and pulled within three points fool you. Alito looked very, very impressive. That first half was dominant. Ryan Williams took the opening kickoff all the way back for a touchdown. Braden Fowler, Nicolosi threw for two scores uh, to start uh, in the first half. Um, Devon Keys came in at running back in place of Ryan Williams at one point and carried about four defenders into the end zone. And the defense was just shutting down Garrett Rangel in the Rangers' offense. And then the second half, I mean, the Rangers came out and made a statement. Whatever they did, um, uh, adjustment-wise, it worked. Uh, the Rangers came storming back. They never retook the lead. They never took the lead from Alito, but they came storming back. They came within three points, I believe, twice. 
Um, but Alito ended up winning 45-35. And, and, and part of that reason, part of the reason I don't want to take away from Alito's win, and I promise I'm not just being a homer when I say this, is this is a team that was out two wide receivers. That was out their starting safety. Actually, he did start the game and then got hurt and had to come out. And then their backup safety got hurt and had to come out. So Alito was improvising in the secondary. And Sammy Steffi, who has never played safety before, is usually a corner, had to move to safety, and I thought did a much better job at safety than I've seen him do at corner. And in my opinion, if I'm Alito, I'm sticking with him at safety. And, uh, oh, who's that kid's name? Uh, I have it right here in front of me. Yeah, gummit. Uh, it was Terry Lewis. Terry Lewis came in at corner, and I thought he held that in that that outside pretty well at cornerback. He looked good, and the Alito defense that was the change that made the Alito defense kind of spin around because they started to make stops again, and then right when they needed it, it looked like Lone Star was about to go into the end zone for the go-ahead score. Cap Mooney comes out behind Ashton Janty, who, who, by the way, running back for Lone Star had a great game. Great game. As a matter of fact, it, had Lone Star won this game, it would have been all because of him. Uh, no takeaway, you know, not take away from Garrett Rangel or anything. But Janty, Alito went into that game thinking we're not gonna, we're not going to let Rangel beat us. We're going to make the running game and Janty beat us, and he did. And just one play, Cap Mooney comes up and punches that ball out of Janty's hands. Alito falls on it. They win the game. And speaking of the injury that I mentioned earlier, uh, Garrett Rangel did go down on that final Lone Star drive when it looked like they were going to take the lead. Uh, we do have word it was just a really bad hyperextension. There's no break. There's no tear. He's probably going to miss the next few weeks, but he should be back, and that is good news to hear about the Oklahoma State commit because the Lone Star offense, look, their backup quarterback came in and did a tremendous job. Oh, uh, Let me look at the roster, get his name real quick. I want him to get recognition. Uh, Gabriel, oh man, but Barrientes or uh, it B A R R I E N T E S. I hope I got that right, Gabriel. If if I didn't, I'm sorry. But hey, you came out on that last drive and you played tremendously. You hit passes when you needed to, and it was a great drive. And he's just a junior, so Lone Star is going to be just fine at quarterback next year after Rangel leaves. But, uh, you know, Alito, in my opinion, was just a better team. And they started to fall apart there late, but they held on to it just enough to pull out the 45-35 win. And I've been talking enough. Mason, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your Friday night? Yeah, Friday night was actually probably the best talent I've seen. And it wasn't, like, the best game, obviously. I mean, it's week two, but Houston Heights, Cleburne, that was the best actual game. But in terms of talent, Manville Crosby, that was a really good game, and I was really impressed with what both Manville and Crosby. Even though the score was thirty-five to twenty-one, it's kind of the opposite of your Alito Lone Star game. This game was much closer than the score indicated, because you know they say football is a game of inches, and I'm talking there were two throws where uh, Cameron Cook Kirkwood Wood is a receiver for Crosby, he was wide open for two touchdowns. And I'm talking uh, Kyron Miles missed by maybe less than a foot on both of them, inches. And that's two scores, and it's 35-35. I mean, obviously, the game could change after that. But Crosby came out really well. They scored on the first drive on a one-yard just quarterback run by Kyron Miles. But it took a little while for Manville to get rolling offensively, but 
I'll tell you what, that run game of DeMonte Seymour and Ty Harris, that's the best one-two punch that I've seen this year. And I think that's that has to be uh, near the top on running back duos in 5A. The two different style of runners, Seymour's kind of the lead back. He'll, and then when he's you know tired enough, they'll bring in Ty Harris. But they just wear down a defense. They pound it with Seymour. Um, and then when... They bring in a fresh back and Ty Harrison, he's ready to go. So he tied it up. And then what kind of served as a momentum shifter in the first half, it was 7-7. And keep in mind, it was it was a rainy day. It wasn't pouring down rain, but it was to the point where it affected the game. Um, and it did on this. Crosby went for a long field goal, and it was like 47 yards in the rain. And, and 47 in high school, that's a long distance. And, you know, he just mishit it. I, I don't think the – I was kind of at a bad angle where I was. It didn't look like the hole got down all the way, but that, that ball was kicked 10 yards. And Manville just picked it up from – caught it in the air, and they ran it back for a touchdown to go up 14-7. And I don't think they lost the lead after that. They went up 21-7 at half, um, came out, uh, leaned on their running game in the second half with the lead, and they just they just took it away from there. Yeah, and Manville's one of those teams that, you know, we've been thinking highly of and, you know, people have been thinking highly of since, you know, I want to say 2011 when they made it to state and lost to Alito. And then ever since then, they've just been that name that you've got to keep in the back of your mind because, oh, man, come December, oh, here's Manville. They're coming. And then, you know, 2017, falling just short to Highland Park. And Alvin ISD is really talented. And, you know, again, we'll get to another team of theirs that I got to see this week. But Manville and Shadow Creek, those two schools have some athletes and have some teams. And they just have, for, for being the youngest two schools in that school district, they have some tradition as well. And so it, it's, it was no shock to me that Manville won this game. I think that Man, Mason, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think that Manville went into that game as the favorite. But was this really a shock to anyone? I mean, I really think that – was this going to be a good game? Yes. But considering what Crosby lost from last season and considering just how Manville reloads, they never rebuild, that, like that was a that was exactly how I think a lot of people thought it should go. And we should also mention that game ended uh, final score, Manville 35, Crosby 21. Yes, and – you know, if anybody just walked into that stadium on, on Friday night and they just saw the two teams, you know, there was a difference in size on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, it it, it took a little bit for that to show, like I said, with the run game. But Manville was the more talented team. They executed better. Crosby had their chances. Like I said, um, they, they missed two wide-open touchdowns. One of them, they were running wide receiver screens kind of all night. And so they faked the wide receiver screen, and that slot receiver acted like he was blocking. But he went up downfield, and there was nobody around him. And they missed that. Another one was just a straight wheel route from the slot receiver, and the quarterback missed him again. So when it came to it, Manville just executed better. They got um, some lucky bounces like on, on the kick, and they had two punts that were pinned deep, so they had a shorter field position. So... It was just a good overall game for Manville, and that's a team I'm expecting to see, you know, in round three, round four of the playoffs.
yeah, I don't think that we're gonna. That's gonna be a surprise. Excuse me, I forgot to turn my microphone back off of mute there. Um, yeah, that's not surprising. Uh, I think Manville is a team we can expect to see go that deep year in year out. Um, they are they're just that kind of program, and they have been since they opened. Meanwhile, my Friday did not go as well as yours did as I watched the Peaster Greyhounds, a second-year varsity program in West Parker County, take on the Alvord Bulldogs. And the spread for this game was two. And I have a feeling that's because Peaster is still young. People, A lot of people don't know what Peaster has. And I can tell you right now, after seeing this team, I, I don't know a lot about Alvord. I'm pretty sure I said that last week. I, I don't know a lot about this team. What I can tell you is that Peaster has a core of juniors that lead this team, and they were all they were almost all starters as sophomores last year. And the camaraderie between these two, as a matter of fact, Gunnar McElroy, the quarterback, was uh, kind of mentioned the camaraderie between them and how much closer they've gotten over the past year. Uh, Tremar Gilbert at running back, in my opinion, the player of the game uh, in Caden Dewar, uh, he had an interception. He had a kickoff return for a touchdown. He always seemed to get open when he was at receiver, and he was never afraid to stick his nose to the ball when on defense. You know, this is a, this is 3A ball. You know, a lot of these guys are playing almost every snap of the game. Uh, Caden Dewar was the one that I thought really impressed me, and, and he's up for player of the game, actually, for the Star-Telegram. Go vote for him because, in my opinion, he has my, he earned my vote. Uh, Peaster ended up winning 56-12, to and... Look, I'm not saying that you need to watch out for these guys in 3A Division One. They're still young. Ne- next year might be a different story, but right now they're still young. There's still a lot they need to figure out. There were some holes there that they need to work on. Uh, and uh, Coach Gary McElroy told me the same thing. Um, you know, he said there's still some stuff to work on. Uh, they they gave up a couple big plays, which is how Alvord Alvar got the 12. Uh, otherwise, that game's a shutout. Uh, but Peaster really, really impressed me. And by the way, I just want to mention – I am not going to get to go to a lot of small school games this year because of my uh, obligation to be with Alito all year because I work for their paper. It was very, very, very refreshing to go to a town and see everything shut down because of that game and the crowd was electrifying. The people of Peaster, Texas, I know you're you're going to hear this eventually well done. I mean, you, you guys reminded me of why I love Texas high school football so much. And I, I hopefully I'll be able to make it back out there again soon. Um, but all in all, uh, look, I don't know enough about Alvord to know how impressive this win is for Peaster. I know that they shut out Monday the week before, so they got two pretty, pretty good wins uh, under their belt right now. And they play Fort Worth Trinity Valley, I believe, this, this week. Uh, before they start district, but I'll tell you right now, they got a tough district ahead. But I'll tell you that I love the Peaster Greyhounds for sure. Meanwhile, on Saturday, Mason, you have seen probably the only Saturday game you'll see until the playoffs, and that was last week. Or two weeks ago, right? Yes, yes, yes. I probably now until, you know, come playoffs come around, or it might just be Saturday the state championship is probably being, uh, when I see games on Saturday because I am pretty busy, as you know. Uh-oh, I think I lost Mason there. Mason, can you hear me? Mason? 
You got me? All right, there you are. I hear you. I don't, I don't know. My Wi-Fi is going a little crazy. Sorry about that. No, but, you're good. Yeah, we, no. Only, we only lost you for a few seconds. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, as I was saying Saturday, um, I won't be um, covering games on Saturday um, a lot going forward, but still, I, I tried to keep up with your game um, in Ridgeland and Shadow Creek, and it, um, from what I heard, it was a good game. I heard the Shadow Creek defense came up with a couple of turnovers off Connor Wigman, who last week didn't have any turnovers, just went for eight touchdowns and eight drives, but... Uh, well, I mean, Bridgeland was able to squeak it out. Well, if if you go back, I, I could not do it justice. If you go and look at our website, uh, Uh my article from Saturday, I, I posted a little after midnight, so it was kind of already Sunday morning, so don't get confused by the date. Uh, but it, it was really defensive. Uh, Bridgeland had a pretty big and good first drive that stalled because they decided to go for it on fourth down. Uh, I believe in the red zone, and they, they they didn't convert. But Shadow Creek's defense kept them in this ball game, and it was actually Bridgeland uh, only led seventeen to twelve before that final touchdown uh, bumped up. You know, just kind of pushed them over the edge. But uh, it, hang on, I believe that's right. Let me double check my scores here. Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, no. It, it, I thought Bridgeland looked pretty good. Connor Wigman threw a few interceptions, and the majority of them were not his fault. Um, one of them was pretty bad and could have been avoided. Uh, one of them was a deflected pass. Actually, it was on that fourth down conversion on that first drive. So they weren't necessarily his fault. I don't want to say that he looked bad. I don't want to say that, you know, Matt, Connor Wigman looked a lot better than his stat line would indicate because of those interceptions. But he did dump off a few good touchdown passes there that I thought were impressive because he stayed calm in the pocket. He didn't scr- he didn't scramble for his life a lot. Um, he did look pretty good. Shadow Creek, on the other hand, they couldn't get anything done uh, offensively. They had they had one drive and one big play that resulted in touchdown, and then their other touchdown came on a pick six. And so it, the, the Shadow Creek offense just couldn't do a dang thing. I I. I especially after talking with some of the people I did at that game, I'm reluctant to say Bridgeland is the same team that we saw last year that kind of took the state by storm and surprised us. I'm very, I'm very reluctant to say that, but they looked good. They looked like, Hey, this is a program. And remember Bridgeland and shadow Creek are some of the youngest programs in the state of Texas, but they've already established a foothold. They've already established tradition. And I was impressed by well, – I was definitely impressed by Bridgeland. Um, look, no no respect lost to Shadow Creek. I wasn't impressed with, with their performance. Um, you know, they had the one offensive drive and then one pick six that the defensive end just happened to get his hands up at the at the line and take it back for a touchdown. Um, but regardless, these were two pretty good programs, and this was a pretty good game. It was very defensive, and I think the defenses for both teams – it, they're going to be the stories from this point on. And I know that Connor Wigman being an Aggie commit, you know, you want to hear that he did a lot better. But uh, he didn't do terrible, but the defenses for sure stood out. And uh, and Bridgeland was able to pull away with a win on a, a late fourth-quarter touchdown drive, 24-12 to 12 was the final score there. Yeah, and from the sounds of it, it, it looks like, you know, Connor Wigman had the same thing that Haynes King did was – Maybe if you just look at the stat line, it wasn't all that pretty, but the interceptions weren't really his fault. 
and I was going to ask you about that because, uh, you know, off the air anyway, because, uh, you know, we, you and I are, you know, there's no secret about it. We love college football. You know, you're an Aggie, I'm a Sooner. Um, and, and I feel like both our schools didn't do as well as we would have hoped. I mean, well, yours did. You're, I mean, the Aggies blew Kent State out of the water, but, you know, OU had to survive late against Tulane. But that's a different subject, and we won't talk about that today. But but, uh, but I, I agree with the statement you just said. You know, if you look at the stat line, it sounds like he had a worse game than he actually did. No, he did pretty well. And, and I interviewed him after the game, and you can go read it in the article. And he, he kind of owned up to it. He kind of said, hey, you know what? I made a couple bad reads. One of those balls I just shouldn't have thrown. The other one, it was unfortunate tip. You know, but but you know we we can get better from this, and I think we got better. That both him and the head coach said I, we got better defensively today, and that's what's important. Meanwhile, right. and if there's go ahead, yeah. If there's anything about Connor Wigman is he's a, he's a next play mentality kind of guy, um, and he'll take ownership of all his mistakes, and he probably takes from what I know about him, and I've interviewed him after a game, he takes ownership for things that weren't really on his fault just because he's the quarterback. So that's just who he is. All right, I'm panicking at the moment as my headphones have gone dead. Um, Let me read off these uh, scores, and then we'll get back to it. So, uh, Mason, I hate to interrupt you uh, at at the moment, but I got to take care of this because uh, as long if I don't have headphones, I can't hear a dang word you're saying. So let me roll through these real quick. We'll roll into a break and then we'll come back. Hey, it's our third show back. You know, we're going to have some stuff that happens like this. Uh, first one, Arlington, Sam Houston, 28, Mansfield, Timberview, uh, 27. That one is notable. Mansfield, Timberview was supposed to be the one that really competed with Alito for district. And they were ranked in the top 10. Uh, in the 5A Division Two, and they fall by one point to an Arlington ISD team who has not made the playoffs, or, or rather, has made the playoffs only three times since the year 2000. Uh, Klein Kane, Side uh, Creek, Mason talked about uh, Klein Kane, 56, Side Creek, 21. Keller, Denton, Braswell. Keller, after making a statement win in, in week one, kind of follows through. It's a little closer than I think they would have liked, but it's 27 to 23. They end up beating the Braswell Bengals. Uh, we'll learn more about Braswell this week as they got a, a, a pretty good game ahead of them as well. But the Indians uh, start out 2-0, and and they'll be looking to roll next week as well. Louisville beating Keller Timber Creek 53-24. And you'll understand the gravity of that game when I tell you about this next one. South Lake Carroll only defeated Rockwall Heath 36 to 35 and it's because Rockwall Heath missed a field goal as the clock was running out at the end of the game. Why does that matter? Keller Timber Creek held Rockwall Heath only lost them by 7 points and they fall to Louisville by 53. Look, if there's one thing I can say and I learned after this week is that Keller Timber Creek needs to work on a little bit of defensive stuff. But their offense sounds like they sounds like they're pretty good. I hopefully we'll be able to check them out this year. But they fall to Louisville 53-24. South Lake Carroll, as I mentioned, barely holds on against Rockwell Heath 36-20, uh, 36-35. Um, just look out for that South Lake Carroll Timber Creek game. I don't think it'll be a barn burner. But knowing what we've learned over the past two weeks, that might be more interesting than we thought. One that I wanted to mention and hopefully talk to Mason, and we will after break after I get some charge on my headphones. Umbula Tascacita goes up the road to Allen and beats Allen at Eagle Stadium for the first time since the stadium opened 41-20. to Not only did they go up to Allen and beat Allen, 
They beat them by 21. That's a three-score game. Umbola Tascacita went up to Allen and handed them their rear ends on a silver platter. Well, that's a stretch. But regardless, Umbola Tascacita with a statement win up in Allen. And I think you got to start looking at this team as one of the kind of more prominent Houston area teams in 6A. Uh, Arlington Martin over Hebron, 59-15. Denton Guy over Denton Ryan. The rivalry, the inner city rivalry that we were all expecting was going to be good, hoping was going to be good. Geyer defeats Ryan in overtime 14-7. Geyer scores on their only overtime possession, and they hold Ryan out of the end zone for the low-scoring win there. Uh, We talked about Manville-Crosby. Manville 35, Crosby 21. Springtown with a good win over Graham. Hey, that's what I mentioned. 4A Division 1, District 4. They got some good teams in there, and Springtown had to come from behind and beat Graham. They were down at halftime. You had to come from behind and do it again. But Coach Brian Hewlett's team pulls it out and wins 34-22. Munster with a statement went over Lindsay. And I actually I'm more impressed with I'm more impressed with Munster than I am kind of licking my wounds about Lindsay. Uh Munster came out and won 40 to 7 against a team that uh hey, we all thought was supposed to be a dark course and in, uh, in 2A. And they still might be. But Munster came out and made a very big statement that they are the team in that region in 2A to, to fear. Kind of same story, different part of the state. New Deal did the same thing against Wellington, 28-6. The Lions proved that they're back and they're a threat to be reckoned with. And they might make a deep playoff run as well, beating a very good Skyrockets team, uh, 28-6, as I just mentioned. Decatur came back. Remember, I talked about them last week. They took a bad loss to Kennedale in week one. And Alvarado had a very good game against Graham, but Decatur rebounds and wins that one by by 13. And I think that Decatur is going to be okay. I think that they had just a slow start. New head coach, uh, changing of the guard there up in uh, Wise County. Uh, but I think the Eagles are going to be okay. They they pull out a pretty good win there against Alvarado. Cisco and Wall. Cisco pulled out the win 27 to 21. They they're looking really good in 2A as I mentioned as well in the past couple of shows. Look out for the Cisco Lobos. Midlothian Heritage 22 Kennedale 7. The kind of accidental rivalry. Midlothian Heritage came out, they didn't dominate this one as I thought they would have or I thought they could have, but they definitely pulled out the win 22 to 7. Look out for them. Uh May down in the 6 man ranks. 104 to 80 over Sterling City in the state championship rematch. The May Tigers are making statements and they are looking to get back to Jerry World and be lifting that gold trophy this year instead of that silver trophy. The Quero Gobblers defeated the Wimberley Texans 21 to 3. Good statement win there for the Gobblers and head coach Jack Alvarez just trying to get back into the scene after kind of falling off since that uh, state championship year with Jordan Whittington when they defeated Texas Canna Pleasant Grove. And I think they made a pretty good statement here uh, against Wimberley. The Salina Bobcats, who we'll talk about more in the next segment, but came out with a good win against Paris, 35-24. I'm telling you, look out for Salina. They're going to be a team. They're a team that's uh, – they should be feared. They should definitely be feared there in 4A Division Two. And finally, the game of the week from last week, Austin-Westlake, 34, U.S. Trinity, 14. It was a game in the trenches. It was a game between the big boys and the Chaparrales pull away winning by 20 34 to 14 over the Ulysses trinity trojans we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to preview the next week week three of texas high school football and you'll hear where mason and i will be next nolan ruth here for woody woods plumbing folks let's face it 
We all get plumbing issues from time to time. There's no way to avoid it. Whether the problem is with your washing machine, your toilets, or your sinks, Woody Woods will be there for you whenever you need them. Since 1954, Woody Woods Plumbing has provided fast, reliable, and guaranteed plumbing service to the greater Fort Worth area. Their highly trained technicians can cover your residential and commercial needs from plumbing repairs and installations to drain cleaning, irrigation, and new water heaters. Call anytime, Monday through Friday at 817-923-5248. Once again, that's 817-923-5248. Please don't wait. Plumbing issues can get worse over time and cause further damage to your pipes. So call Woody Woods today for all your plumbing needs. Welcome back to the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. We've got a little bit of Phil Collins rolling us into this second half of the episode affectionately titled So Long Dental Plan. And as I usually do with our episode names, I'll give you the background. As a lot of you remember, we are rolling, and I should say I'm rolling, with Simpsons references for our show titles now an idea that i've been mulling over for a while and decided i should finally go for it so so long dental plan comes from an earlier simpsons episode in which a homer has to choose he becomes the head of the workers union when mr burns tries to strike up a deal where the workers give up their dental plan in exchange for a keg of beer every week and while he's and as this is happening, it so turns out that Lisa needs braces. And so his friend Lenny is the first one to get to the keg of beer as they're all lining up and they decide that they're gonna take this deal. And Lenny famously shouts, So long dental plan. And those words ring in Homer's ears. The words dental plan, followed by Marge saying Lisa needs braces. And then just over and over again, dental plan, Lisa needs braces dental plan lisa needs braces and it makes for a genius piece of comedy because when homer's thinking about that his friends drop a pencil down his butt crack and it hits perfectly and he says i lost my train of thought and it's a lot funnier if you watch it instead of just hearing me explain it but you know what welcome to the nolan company sports podcast you know you're you're gonna get it because i'm gonna have a laugh you may not but i'm gonna have a laugh We're talking Texas high school football, and we are rolling into week three. And this is a week that we are going to learn a lot this week. Um, I'm going to let you go first, Mason, and just preview your whole week. But we're going to learn a lot about a few teams. And one team in particular that you're going to see Friday, who is supposed to be pretty darn good. And we're going to find out just how good they are. Right, we'll get there, but uh, this Thursday I'm going to be going to Spring and Tomball Memorial, and those are, you know, I've been doing this for, I guess this is my third season. Those are two teams I've never seen play um, in those, you know, two and a quarter season. So, but what I do know is that I'm expecting there to be a lot of points this game. I, I don't, I don't, they don't do over under in high school. They might, but that should be somewhere in the 80s, just because both the offenses on this team and Kind of the lackluster defense from Tom Ball Memorial, and that's why 
I'm expecting Spring to win this game. Um, Spring is a team that, or I guess Tom Moore is a team that's given up 54 points and then 58 week two. So they they've been giving up roughly 50 points a game, and it's not going to get easy any easier tomorrow when they go up against Bishop Davenport, the quarterback for Spring, who's actually committed to the Aggies, just the that team in Utah, not the Texas A&M Aggies. Um, he's his season stats. He's put up 598 yards passing in just two games, so about 300 games, seven touchdowns and only one interception. But he's also rushed for 160 yards, three touchdowns, and he averages 9.8 yards a carry every time he brings it down. So that's 10 touchdowns and over 700 yards of offense in just two weeks. Um, last week he had a QBR of 157.5, which I believe 158.5 is perfect. Um, I I don't know if that's 100% true, but I'm pretty sure it is. So I'm expecting them to put up a lot of points, and there's a lot of big plays just because the um, they they don't throw it a lot. It's not like they're throwing 50 passes a game. They're only throwing it like 20 times a game, but they're averaging over 20 yards a catch. So I'm expecting a lot of big plays on, on both sides, really, because that's kind of the same motto for uh, Tom Ball Memorial. Um, Reed Odell is the quarterback for Tom Ball Memorial, and it, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Last week, he only threw the ball 13 times. He had nine completions, but he threw for 200 yards um, and averaged 24.4 yards a catch um, and four touchdowns. So should be a lot of points. I don't expect there to be a lot of defense. I'm expecting this to be a classic 2015, you know, Baylor TCU that one year for like 61 to 58. Um, so it, it's going to be an exciting game. If you like defense, I, it wouldn't be one that I'd keep an eye on. But if you like offensive fireworks and lots of big plays, that's definitely a game that I'll that would excite you. And then you you kind of hinted at it. My Friday game, I'm going to see a game that I saw the exact same game last year, and that is College Station at Magnolia. And last year it was also the um, district opener for both teams, and that's the same thing this year. And which a game that. Last year, I expected College Station to win, but actually Magnolia pulled it out. Um, but that was a game that CSHS had their chances. I think they knew they were the better team. Um, and talking to Coach Huff and uh, offense coordinator prior after the game, that, that they definitely felt that way. And so I know that they've been looking forward to this one ever since um, October of last year. And they returned a lot of key pieces from that team last year in quarterback Jet Huff, who's the... Um, coach's son Marquise Collins is a junior running back who I think this time next year we could be talking about one of the best running backs in the state of Texas Houston Thomas is a big tight end on the outside 6'5 220 pounds good runner Dalton Carnes is a really good slot receiver so College Station definitely has the weapons and that's something that they've proved this year they're one of the best teams in in 5A in general I believe they're ranked 2 just behind Denton Ryan but what I think makes College Station so special is their efficiency. And that's something that I know Coach Huff puts an emphasis on, especially because his son's the quarterback, even more so now. So Huff last week, he was 18 for 22, 274 yards and six touchdowns and zero interceptions. You know, 18 for 22, Nolan, I'm sure you know, that's hard to do on air, like just in practice. 
when you're when there's not even a defense on the field. That sets um, up a great passer rating. Yes, it actually, I I don't have that number, but um, that is that would be right. And you know, the, like like I said, they're the king of efficiency. And Marquise Collins, who I said the running back, he he had 15 carries last week and he had 130 yards, and that's 8.7 yards a carry. So it just seems like that offense, when they get rolling, they're tough to stop. And I know that. Um, ever since Huff has been there. That's really been the motto for CSHS. But from what I've heard from people inside the program, and obviously CSHS is the one school that I hear the most from just because that's my alma mater and that's where I live. I've heard that there has been talks about the talent on this team is better than the talent that won state in 2018. And I also heard that from somebody who covered them in the scrimmage, and they said this team is better than the team that won the state championship two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, that is saying something, especially for a school uh, of of their prestige, especially so early in that school's history. Um, it, it should be interesting. We're going to learn a lot about them this week. Meanwhile, for me, I will be uh, seeing two teams that I don't get to see a lot. Matter of fact, I've only seen one of these schools once. The other team I haven't seen at all, and I'll be watching, and how's this for a mascot battle? I'll be watching the Mesquite Skeeters take on the Grand Prairie Gophers. How's that for a mascot matchup? That's the most unique mascot matchup that I've heard this season in, in a very long time. I, I'm hoping that the run, the it's the best duo of runouts. I don't know if they have... Uh, the big inflatable runouts, but I need pictures of both of those. I'll find out and I'll try to get them for you. But this is a Grand Prairie team. And by the way, shout out to my buddy Matt Davidson who helped me uh, get to Grand Prairie this week. I'm looking forward to watching this game with him. He's the PA announcer there at the Gopher Bowl. Um, it, and I'm looking forward to this because I, I don't know a lot about this team. Um, what I do know is that they've got quite a few players returning. I'm excited to see the wide receiver Savion Red, uh, uh, linebacker Christian Cross, and then uh, quarterback Michael Stallworth. Uh, I, I'm I'm not entirely sure what kind of playmakers these are. Like I said, this isn't a team I get to see a lot, and so hopefully I'll be able to see more of that, more of them, and get to learn more about them and the program and the scheme they run. Uh, and then and then Mesquite, uh, you know, a team I saw a couple years ago. They made the playoffs a couple of years ago with quarterback uh, Dylan Dylan Hillard McGill, who is now, I believe, at Minnesota. And they kind of had a, an off year last year. They went 2-7, and seven, uh, but they got quarterback Chance Edwards. Uh, he's re- I believe he's a returning starter. Uh, Josh Williams at linebacker. Quentin Evans there in the secondary. And Anthony Roberts at running back. Uh, you, you know, this, these are two teams I'm going to learn a lot more about. And, and I wish I could say I knew more about, but I, I don't. Um, you know, we're still young into our careers with this. I'm still trying to figure out a lot of this stuff. But, um, no, I'm excited to see this. And, and um, the, the Gopher Warrior Bowl is a place I've been to only once before. I'm excited to get see the, the press aspect of it. And, uh, and like I said, catch up with my buddy Matt Davidson. But hopefully that should be a good game. I know that the uh, score projection, the spread, uh, is, uh, is fairly tight. I believe it's just one score. Um, so, so that should be a good game. And then uh, Friday is going to be kind of a sleeper. It's, it's going to be a little bit of a snooze fest because Alito is a 72-point favorite against Fort Worth Arlington Heights. 
that's not a shock. Um, as if, if anything, this is more of a kind of play around what we have and see how good it works week for Alito. Um, you know, I, I, I know that the reason this game was scheduled is because Arlington Heights needed a game and they came to Alito and asked for a game and Alito was more than happy to oblige. But uh, yeah, this is going to be kind of a feeler week. Kind of just let's play around with some of this and see what happens. Um, I, I think that's what's going to what's what I'm going to have what I'm going to be coming back and reporting to y'all next week with. Um, I, I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do if they do experiment because uh, I want to see how it works out. Uh, but it should be an easy Bearcats win against the Arlington Heights Yellow Jackets, and then Saturday. Uh, my plan is to go to the South Dallas Super Bowl between Dallas Lincoln and Dallas Madison. That is a high school football checklist item for sure. Um, however, Dallas ISD and, and no disrespect to them, they're being, uh, you know, they're 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 a little tight. They're a little uh, concerned. They're they're a lot tighter than from what Matt Stepp has told me anyway than they would have been pre-COVID. Uh, with their press credentials and so we'll find out I still haven't heard back from them if I don't I will enjoy a Saturday off for once um, but uh, I'm hoping to be at the South Dallas Super Bowl six o'clock at Kincaid Stadium between the Dallas Lincoln Tigers and the Dallas Madison Trojans other games from around the state uh, Decatur Midlothian Heritage I mentioned that last segment uh, Decatur bounced back after a bad loss to Kennedale who Midlothian Heritage just defeated 22 to 7 I think this is going to be the biggest measuring stick so far for Decatur after that loss to Kennedale. We're going to really find out what's going on with the Eagles, uh, where there are holes, where they uh, can succeed, where their strengths are. Uh, And then for Midlothian Heritage, I feel like that win against Kennedale could have been a little bigger. Uh, If they can hold off this Decatur team uh, in a a big way, you know, maybe they're raising my eyebrows again. But I, I think this is going to be a pretty underrated matchup in 4A. Division one, uh, keep your eyes on that one. Uh, Katie and Dickinson, Mason, you remember this from last year and how hyped up it was last year? Yeah, I do. Uh, that was one of the games I, I was just honestly looking at my uh, Football Friday app, and I, when I saw that game, I I do remember the hype that went into that last year. And Katie walked away with a pretty easy win over the Gators, and honestly, this year I can't imagine it would be any different. The only thing that would make me think it would be different is if Dickinson can get something going in the pass game, I think they have a chance. And the only reason I say that is because uh, I just I got word a couple days ago that Katie starting cornerback uh, Bobby Taylor, who's probably you could say they're who's the best defender. He's actually out for the season, um, and I know um, Dickinson has some pretty good weapons. So if they can. In order to beat Katie, you're not going to be able to go five yards, six yards, uh, you know, seven yards. You're not going to be able to do long drives on them just because I saw them play week one. Their defense is too disciplined. you got to be able to get chunk plays, those plays over 20 and 25 yards and shorten the field because the longer you stay, the longer you're on, that defense is just going to stiffen up. Yeah, and th- I think that'll be the key here. And I, I think Katie – I don't want to say they waltz to an easy win, but I think uh, I think you'll see a pretty uh, pretty good Katie win this week against the Gators of Dickinson. Um, kind of an off the radar game. 
Uh, look out for the Lake Worth Bullfrogs at the Joshua Owls. Joshua is 2-0 for the first time in as long as I can remember. And look, I'm going to be blunt. It's not an impressive 2-0. They played two Fort Worth ISD schools that they should have beaten handily, and they beat them handily. As a matter of fact, they come into this game against Lake Worth as the underdog. But, uh, hey, maybe Joshua can pull some, pull a rabbit out of the hat and go 3-0 and for the first time in who knows how long. Uh, but maybe the Bullfrogs, who come out of that District 4, uh, Class 4, uh, Class 4 maybe they hold on there. Maybe they, maybe they pull out the win, uh, which would be a pretty good win for the Bullfrogs. Uh, Flower Mound at Mansfield Timberview. How does Timberview bounce back from that loss against Arlington, Sam Houston, and Flower Mound, who fell to Highland Park this past week as well. A very good Highland Park team and kind of held their own there. And so Timberview, if, if this is a game where Flower Mound drives down 287 and hands Timberview a nice little dinner on a silver platter of their own rear ends, yeah, uh, I'd say it's panic button time for Timberview. Um, and then on the other side, same district, Burleson. Burleson has looked pretty impressive over the first couple weeks. They've got a good matchup at Azel, and I think that uh, this is going to be a good one, a tightly contested battle there, uh, and, and a measuring stick for both teams, who I think could be better than what we originally thought going into the early season. And then how about this one, Mason? AM Consolidated traveling to San Marcos at a neutral site at Bobcat Stadium at Texas State to meet the Converse Judson Rockets. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, obviously you know this, but the people who are listening, that was a game I was going to go see um, until I learned it was at Texas State. And if it was at Consult, that's, I, that's probably where I would be, but I, I wanted to get eyes on CSHS just because that's a team I think you and I are both expecting to not only see in the playoffs, but uh, make, a good, make a good run. But, you know, the two games that Consol has played, those teams don't even compare um, to what Converse Judson is. But uh, Anum Consolidated's offense is also they they look really good. Um, Brody Daniels is the quarterback. He's got some nice weapons. Wesley Wesley Greaves is a name to know in the College Station area, and for Consol, he's a slot receiver. I believe he already has five touchdowns he scored three in the first game i think he has five touchdowns on the season already he's a really good receiver um console has the weapons but what i don't think they have is just the overall size on the line of scrimmage and i think that's where congress judson is probably going to win the game and that's kind of been the story for console for the past couple of years um they always have the skill position players they always have a good quarterback they always have a good running back they just for some reason, they just can't find the big boys on, on the front. And I that's where, where Converse Judson, to me, is going to take over. Let's keep rolling. And this next game, we need to backtrack for a second and talk about this. The Cedar Hill Longhorns are traveling up I-70, not I-75, uh, State Highway 75, to Eagle Stadium in Allen, where the Eagles were just handed their first loss in that stadium's history. Their first home loss since that stadium opened from to the Atascocita Eagles. And and this is one, because my AirPods died, we didn't get to talk about it in the last segment. But they're working good now. I can hear you just fine. How about that? Yeah, you know, uh, no disrespect to Chad Morris, but lately it seems like wherever he's going, um, things just aren't working out. But, I mean, 
to say that they haven't lost a home game since we've been in middle school. Uh, were we in middle school? That sounds about oh, right. Oh, that would have been 2010. I, th- I think I would have been just before middle school in that one. Yeah. I think we're talking like fifth grade, sixth grade, and that that's just to not lose a home game in that long of a stretch. I mean, obviously they had Kyler for those three years, but that's a really impressive um, showing from a Tassacita who, you know, that's I, I believe they're on my schedule this year. That's a game that I need to get. That's a team I need to get my eyes on as well. It'll be a good matchup there in Allen as the Longhorns travel up there to the Eagles and try to hand them their second straight loss at Eagle Stadium. But I'm not going to bet against Allen coming off a loss, especially Chad Morris coming off a loss. I think the Eagles will win that one, but still keep your eyes on it because it's noteworthy. Uh, Also in the DFW area, the Midland Legacy, former Midland Lee Rebels, are coming to Arlington. To, at Choctaw Stadium to take on the Arlington Martin Warriors. That's going to be a good one. The Rebels bringing back a lot from a team that went pretty far last year. They travel really well with their crowd. I think they'll have a pretty good crowd there at Choctaw Stadium, uh, formerly Globe Life Park. And uh, we'll, we'll learn a lot about both teams because I think this is Arlington Martin. I mean, after the loss to Lake Travis, I think this is Arlington Martin's first. Okay, this is a good team. We can, we can, def- we can beat these guys. And I think we'll see a lot of strengths come out of Arlington Martin in this one, but we'll also see a lot of strengths come out of Midland Legacy. And so I think this that that's another one to watch. Eulis Trinity at Colleyville Heritage. Colleyville Heritage has gotten off to one of the best starts I've seen in Texas high school football uh, thus far. They shut out Boswell last week, which uh, I'm sorry, Peyton Peterson, but that's n- not a... Uh, very big accomplishment, uh, but still, they look good. They look like they're a very round, uh, well-rounded team, and this is their real first test against Ulysses Trinity, who went down and lost to Westlake. They've got a chip on their shoulder. they got something to prove. Uh, they want to be able to prove, hey, look, we're no slouch. Yeah, we took a hit, but we're going to come back. Uh, that one is at uh, Mustang Panther Stadium there in Grapevine. That one will also be a good game to watch. North Shore at Spring at Westfield and Mason. Had I known this game was happening, because I just found out about an hour ago, I would have sent you back to Spring on Thursday and Friday for this game, because I think that North Shore, after losing so much from last year's squad, looks pretty vulnerable, and if anyone can take them in this early season, Spring-Westfield looks like they might be the team to do it. Yeah, Spring-Westfield, you know, the thing with them is they're always going to have the athletes, no matter who they graduate, no matter what the year is. They're always going to have, you know, just a bunch of fast guys on their team. And so, I mean, so far the games that I've picked out haven't been the best. Um, Hopefully, I mean – CSHS Magnolia should be maybe not the closest in a good game, but this is another one of those oh man, no one was right things. I'm gonna be kind of I'm gonna be upset. Other uh, another game in East Texas, the uh, Paris is traveling to Texarkana Pleasant Grove, looking to rebound after their loss to Salina, which is not a bad loss. I want to make that very clear. That was not a bad loss. Uh, we highlighted that last week as one of our games of the week. They now travel to Texarkana to play to take on the Pleasant Grove Hawks, who look as strong as ever. Uh, that'll be one to watch there in 482. Also, Salina, the team that I've been high on all season. The team I've been saying, look, 
do not count these guys out from, from giving Carthage a four-quarter battle, especially after Crosby did it week one. I think Salina might just be that good, but here's the issue. They're kind of beaten up right now. They lost a few guys to some minor injuries. that They'll all be back eventually, but they take on the Argyle Eagles, and that's not a team you want to face when you've got some injury uh, problems going on. So that'll be a good one at Eagles Stadium, Argyle, uh, between them and the Bobcats of Salina. But still, I'm I'm very high on Salina this year. That's going to be a good one. And then Lake Travis traveling to Rockwall. And the Yellow Jackets, who have kind of gotten off to an inauspicious start. Lake Travis has gotten off to a pretty darn good start. Uh, and now they got to take the long road trip up to DFW. I think that one will be a game to watch as well. Uh, good measuring stick for both of them as, uh, uh, as well. And then my final one, and Mason, you saw both these schools last year. One of them is a state semifinalist. Uh, or semifinal, yeah, semifinal, state semifinalist. And was one play away from making it to the state championship. And the other one has a lot of state championship pedigree. As the Waco La Vega Pirates are traveling down I-35 to face Austin LBJ. Yeah, Austin LBJ, man, I I still kind of feel for them because that was a game that they totally had control of against Landell last year, and I think they would have give uh, gave Argyle you know a better run for their money than Lindell did, but that's that's a game that's going to be fast. Um, that's going to be kind of a breakneck breakneck pace just because of how fast. Um, both teams are, so that, that should be a really good game. Um, probably, I think that's going to be a little bit more high-scoring than people think, too. Um, those teams have had good defenses in the past, but I'm expecting a good amount of points there. I'm looking forward to a good week. Uh, should be a good one here. And uh, what a lot of people are forgetting is district is starting for a lot of, uh, for a lot of districts. And so, uh, we're going to get into a lot more of that as the season rolls on, and we're very young into this season. Uh, we're only we're barely a third of the way through it after this upcoming week. Uh, Mason, uh, any final thoughts before we go into this week, which I, I think should be a good one for us? Yeah, I, I think um, you know we kind of said that maybe this game this week doesn't have you know the as eye opening games um, as week two did. But it's still earlier in the season, and you know district plays district plays approaching. So what I'm interested to see is our team's gonna start showing you know who they really are and their identity. Or are they just? Uh, I know for some teams, uh, in some instances, they try to play kind of vanilla until district play. But you know this is where kind of things start heating up. So it should be a good week and a good appetizer of what's to come. That is going to do it for us on the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast for this week. For who can do it, Mason Pruitt, I'm just Nolan because you can't handle the roof. Guys, have a good week wherever you're traveling. I hope your games are good ones. Remember to send us your sports questions at Company Nolan on Twitter. If you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you can send it there too. We'll get it. So please send those questions in. It doesn't have to be Texas high school football specific at all. We'll try to tackle it. Guys, y'all have a good week. Please be safe. Hug your family. Stay hard, and we'll see you.